Someone did that well. Thank you. Can we try that again? I know that no one likes it when you get that again, but that was really... I, if you don't know, I can't see particularly well. I've, I've still got some uh, vision issues. So you're actually helping me when you respond. Look, I'm good at this, eh? So uh, how is everybody? Oh, I feel valued and loved. That's great. Hey, really good to see you guys. Hey, um, I'm just going to get a couple things organized. If you don't know me, my name is uh, Andre, and uh, my wife Hannah and I and an awesome team of cool people lead Cornerstone Church Rolleston, uh, and we have a new subject that we are kicking off. Well, it's the fifth in a six-part series. Have I got everything? I think I've got everything. Cool. All right. It is on, let's see if this works, the big topic. So we're doing the six-part series, and this six-part series, you actually chose Right, like we had, we had a whole bunch up there, and that you guys, the congregation, chose six subjects to speak about. Does anyone remember or know what today's subject is? <laughs> Marriage. Anyone? Ah, oh, like seven people. You got it. Great. Okay. <laughs> so, yeah, someone knows the whole speech. It's a really what? What movie was that? Princess Bride. Does anyone rem- is anyone old enough to remember Princess Bride? Yeah, I just remember the big scary rat things from when I was a kid. Oh my gosh, they were terrifying. Hey, so we're speaking on marriage today. Now, um, I'm really excited about speaking on marriage. I actually am. I'm, I, it's quite something I'm actually quite passionate about. Um, and before we even get into it, I want to quickly make a caveat. Um, you might be sitting here going, marriage? What does this guy know about marriage? Well, we have been married 12 years. Some of you have got pairs of shoes that are longer than 12 years or older than 12 years. Um, but And you might also be sitting there going, hey, Dre, I actually know your story. I know that you grew up without a marriage in your household. How could you possibly have any idea what a marriage looks like? And you're probably right. But how many people know that when uh, you don't have a model inside your household when it comes to parenting, when it comes to marriage, that actually through the Bible, through the Word, through Jesus, you can actually be guided? All right. So I didn't have a marriage uh, in my when I was growing up to to model anything of my own marriage on. I had to learn everything from the love of Christ. So. Um, I, we do uh, pre-marriage counseling. Hannah and I, we've done about 45 sessions. I worked out this morning on um, pre-marriage counseling, and we do some counseling. Um, however, I do know that only being married 12 years, we don't know it all by any means. I'm not a trained counselor or anything like that. So today, as we walk through this, I hope that it is a blessing to all people, and we're going to talk about that in a second. Um, How many people know that sometimes, if you have been married, your first year, your first three years, just amazing. Rainbows, butterflies, and cookies. I don't know. Um, And everything's bright and vibrant, but how many people know that after a little bit of time, if you don't put in the effort, what starts to happen? Things start to get a little dull. Things start to fade away a little bit, and maybe even to a point where you can't even see what you're, the reason you're here anymore. And so today I want to talk about marriage, but I want to talk about it from a few different aspects. Um, the, the key thing I want to start with is what is marriage, and then we're going to address a big uh, elephant in the room. Well, marriage is by God. Marriage is um, something that God talks about a lot. 
Uh, and we first see it in Genesis 2, 2, 4. Therefore, a man, not first, sorry, it's one of the first times. Therefore, a man shall leave his father and his mother and hold fast to his wife, and they shall become one flesh. Can you guys say one flesh? Cool. One flesh. Some of you will be aware of that. Some of you may not have heard that before. But one flesh is this idea that when you come together, it's you and your spouse, you're coming together uh, and woven with God as three persons, uh, you become a cord that is strong. Uh, a three-sided, no, a three-stringed cord is much harder to break. And one flesh is no longer am I by myself, but I'm just doing life with this person. It means you are intrinsically connected in some way. You are one flesh. You make decisions together. You live life together. There is a togetherness. That is God's plan. We are designed for intimacy. We are designed for relationship as human beings. And on earth, this is one of the greatest relationships that you will have. Now, marriage for many of us, is our key relationship. It's our central relationship, right? It is, uh, on earth, it's probably our most, one of our most important. Maybe you're a parent, maybe you've got kids. But here's the cool thing. If you're sitting here today and you're going, great, I came at the wrong week, I'm not married, this is going to suck. I don't know if I'm allowed to say that from the front, but I did. <clears throat> um, marriage is essentially just a relationship, a very important one, like we talked about, one flesh, but it is just a relationship. And so my hope is today, if you're sitting here and you're not married or you were married, um, is that you can apply these key relationship skills and tools uh, to any relationship. Um, it could be your parents, it could be colleagues, it could be a dating relationship, leaders, your boss, close friends or children. Okay? And so what I'd like to say is we're doing a sermon on marriage today. However, if you're sitting here and you're like, oh man, I don't know if I could sit through this because I've been burnt or I'm so waiting, um, I want to ask you to do this really quickly. If you're not yet married, I totally understand that this could be a difficult sermon. Uh, if you uh, have been married, you were married, uh, this might be a difficult sermon. Or if you don't want to ever be married, this is what I'm going to ask of you guys to do today for me, okay? Um, I would ask that you look at today's sermon through a lens, um, and you're all going to have lenses you look at. I didn't choose any specifically, uh, any cool glasses. But I pray that if you are not yet married, that, that left one, perhaps you could look at the sermon on marriage today um, and you could ask yourself, this is what marriage could look like. This is the ideal. This is some stuff that I could do when I am married. I'll take notes and I'm, I'm willing. Or if you were married, perhaps you could look at today's sermon through a perspective of learning. Perhaps I made some mistakes. Perhaps we made mistakes. Perhaps there's something I want to learn for if I do get married again. Or the third category, if you don't want to ever be married, uh, perhaps this is just a sermon on relationships. So what I'd like you to do is if you're looking through one of those lenses, I'm going to leave it up to you to be adult. And, and um, though we are talking about marriage specifically, I'm going to ask you guys to interpret it through your lens. Is that cool? Okay, let's go. Ephesians 5. This is a great verse. This is talking about uh, the way that uh, Jesus and the church are connected. However, it uses marriage as a bit of a picture. So I want you to just close your eyes and I'm going to read Ephesians 5 to you. And I just want you to hear the beautiful 
intimate, loving language that is used about marriage, but to talk about the church. We're not talking about the church today, but I just like it to really look at the original source. So let me read it to you. Ephesians 5. Husbands, love your, love your wives, just as Christ loved the church and gave himself up for her, to make her holy, cleansing um, by the washing with water through the word, and to present her to himself as a radiant church without stain or wrinkle or any other blemish, but holy and blameless. In the same way, husbands ought to love their wives as their own bodies. He who loves his wife loves himself. Some really beautiful, intimate language there. I'd like to say to you that marriage is a daily reminder of loving. You don't always, how many people know that you don't always feel love in a marriage? Okay, maybe they've dented your car, maybe, I don't know, any number of things. But marriage is a daily reminder of loving. Loving despite uh, complete agreement, loving despite our insecurities, it's loving despite perfection, it's loving just as Christ has loved us. Sometimes we have to choose to love. Sometimes we have to remind ourselves to love. Sometimes we have to act in a way that is loving in marriage. You can say, I love you, and you're going to hear me say this a few times today. Love doesn't presume, love shows. I should say, love doesn't always presume, love shows. If you just say, oh, my wife knows she, I love her, I think there's more you could do there. We're going to talk about that. I'd like to say, after that beautiful, intimate picture, that marriage is not a board game. And you're going, what? What are you talking about? Well, um, if someone wins in an argument, now I I get the opportunity, some people are laughing already, um, I get the opportunity to sit with couples and relationships and pre-marriage stuff quite often. And I have done it, Hannah, my wife has done it, and you have done it, because I've heard you, um, how many people know that sometimes you get so into an argument, you don't even care what the argument's about, you just want to win? Anybody else? Hands up. Ah, oh, look, brave people putting their hands up. Look, it's not a board game marriage. If someone wins in an argument, that means someone loses. And if we are meant to be one flesh, if someone loses, then you lose as a group. Do you understand? If you're like, ah, I've got over you, I'm winning, I'm, I'm telling you what's up, I won the argument. Well, you're one flesh. They've lost, and that means you lose. Okay? Do not make your marriage about winning and losing. Because men, how many? No, I won't. <laughs> the other thing I'd like to say really quickly is pick your battles. I'm sorry, there's going to be stuff that you're going to be like, Nah, I'm just going to walk away. <laughs> Anyone else? Okay, pick your battles. Don't fight everything. Here's the thing. Sometimes we have such a desire, and I think, um, uh, what is it? Um, society really tells us that uh, you have to be right. Be right, be right, be right. You know what? I'd rather be loving than be right. In marriage, we should, be rather, we should rather be loving than right. Yes, there's some times where you need to be right, and that person needs to be wrong, Hey, don't cross out in front of the road. There's a car coming. You can't be like, well, it's up to her. I'll just, you know, choose my battles. No. (laughs) I do not want to be standing in a uh, courtroom giving this evidence. Okay, so um, do you know what I'm saying though, right? Like don't try and win every single battle. But a lot of people do. Honestly, if you can get your head around that in your marriage, that's going to be really helpful. I'm not trying to win this thing. We're together. Together, together. Okay. Okay. 
Um, How do we do marriage or significant relationships well? How do we do it? Well, we've got to be loving. Put on love. Show love. Speak love. And react in love. Yes, you can love someone, but you've got to be love and act like love and speak in love when you are in this relationship. Whether it's a marriage or it's a relationship you really want to value. Uh, There's a very famous quote by a, um, a really uh, well-renowned person. Uh, her name's Tina Turner. She says, What's love got to do? Got to do with it. Everything, Tina. Everything. Okay? <laughs> everything. Love. If you're like under 30 right now, you're like, Tina Turner? No, I've done, never heard of her. She's still alive, isn't she? She's still doing stuff. She's like 80 or something. Um, what's love got to do with it? Love has everything to do with it, people. Yes, I know you know that love is a part of marriage, but actually loving through all the hard stuff. All right. First Peter 4, 8, to prove my point, Tina, uh, above all, keep loving one another earnestly since love covers a multitude of sins. This idea of being right and wrong, actually love covers it. You can just go, you know what? I don't need to be right or wrong. And, and if your partner or your spouse is wrong, then maybe you could just let them go. You don't have to hold, pull them over the coals every time they're wrong. This is one of my favorite verses. I bring it up every few weeks. Colossians 3.14. And above all, uh, put on love, which binds everything together in perfect harmony. Put on love. Put it on. It doesn't say you're just wearing it. You've got to put your shoes on in the morning. Anyone ever slept with their shoes on? It's uncomfortable. But you've got to put them on in the morning. I'd like to talk for a moment about marriage culture. This is just a term that Hannah and I have coined. Every single marriage has a culture. Every actual, every relationship, a parent relationship, a relationship with yours, there is a culture that you have set in your marriage or in that relationship. Now, ideally, what you want is you want to set that relationship, right? You want to set that culture. Because how many people know culture just happens, whether you not want it or not. So you can either have a good culture that you have designed, that you have spoken into, that you've thought about, or you can uh, just let it happen. How many people know you've like been around a dinner table or something like that, and you're with another couple, and they do something, and then you do this look at each other uh, you know, over the table, you're like, and then on the oh, way, I cannot believe she spoke to him like that. Oh my gosh, rah, rah, rah. or she said that. Anyone else? That is kind of like a marriage culture that you might have, or a relationship culture. Um, For example, some for Hannah and I, this is just us, and today I'm going to be a little bit personal, as in sharing just some of the things from our own marriage, because, hey, that's what I'm doing today. Uh, For us, we have a few things that are really important. We believe that there is life and death in the power of the tongue. So we do not mock or tease or humiliate each other. We certainly, you know, you might throw a little jibe out there at home, um, but we would never do that in public. How, by me humiliating her or her humiliating me in public, is that one flesh? You wouldn't stab yourself in the arm for the fun of it. The next thing is for us, we've got a whole bunch. The other thing is we don't joke about divorce for us. I come from a family of divorce. And you know what? I know that some people do, but we just go, you know what? We're just not going to joke about that. It's an important thing, and it's something that we don't go, oh, well, I guess I'll get divorced. Um, And if you do that, it's totally fine, but I'm just telling you about our marriage culture. Part of one of our marriage culture rules is that I can't just go buy a motorcycle or a new car when I choose to. Um, Some of you are trying to cover your your wife's ears right now. 
you're like, heresy, heresy. No, <laughs> hear me out. We just have a marriage culture that we have agreed upon that, hey, if it's more than 50 bucks, because we're in that season of life, everything, you're trying to count every dollar. If it's more than 50 bucks, we're just going to ask each other. We're just going to, that's part of our marriage culture. We've sat down and gone, these are our marriage culture things. And guess what? You can do this if you're just about to get married, thinking about marriage, or if you've been married for 50 years. So if you would like to, now's a good time. Uh, if you are married and you are sitting next to your person, hang on, I'll get there in a second. If you are married and you're sitting next to your significant other, right now is a good time to put your hand up and hold their hand. Look at them in the eyes and say, I love you. You're awesome. So this value system, you can set the value system in your marriage. What does this value system look like? It's simply this, living our values every day. Living our values every day, which means love. See what he did there? Living our values every day. That is what love is, going, no, I'm going to, I'm going to love you, I'm going to support you, I'm going to lift you up. One of the things that Hannah and I do is, um, we try to do more, is that um, I just try and make her look good in front of people. It's not hard. She's amazing. And if you just get me talking about how awesome a musician she is, you'll see that. I just think she's amazing. And um, I do that because it's true, but I just want her to feel encouraged and valued. You don't want to fake it, but honoring your spouse in front of other people is a pretty cool gift. Okay. Marriage culture, here's some homework. Why don't you have a think about it? If you're married, why don't you have a think about this week sitting down and coming up with your top five marriage culture values? You could take a photo. You could think about, hey, what's actually really important to us? Um, I'd probably suggest doing it because if you don't, then you might be like, wow, why do you not want to do it? Um, So take the time, sit down and go, well, what are these things that are important to us? And if you've been married a little while, what you might find is they're just things you're already doing. All right, moving on. Together, together. It's a term we use for our prayer and fasting week. But it's again this idea of being together. Now, this is really lame, and I haven't checked with Hannah. She's going to be slightly embarrassed because I'm, I'm a little bit more corny than she is. Um, I'm a little bit more of a romantic than she is. And so we have this thing that when we're going through it, and how many people know when you're married and you're a parent, you're going through it, you know what I'm saying, you know, someone's got sticky fingers, someone's cracked over the TV, you've got stuff overdue and all this stuff, and you're in the middle of it. What we do is I go like this. Come on, Hannah. (laughs) And we go, TP. Does anyone know what TP stands for? Team Pal. It's a bit lame, but she, it's something that we do that we're like, we're in this, baby. We got this. You and me together. We are going to make this work. And so it's usually me. I'm like, PP? She's like, because <laughs> again, I'm not very cool. She's way cooler than me. But for my birthday, she got me this cool bracelet. And guess what it had written on the underside? TP. She's a fan. But you know what I mean? We're not against each other. I'm not trying to get one up over her. We are doing life together together. And it's cool and it's fun. Are there issues? Oh, 100%. Do not come away going, oh my gosh, Dre and Hannah's marriage is amazing. We have issues, like all of you. But uh, we do have this idea that we're trying to work and grow in our relationship. All right. Three tips to a healthy marriage. (laughs) Ready? Okay. Three tips. Number one, communicate. 
Number two, communicate. Number three, you got it, communicate. Every issue that you will probably come up to in a relationship or in a marriage is going to come through communication. How many people know you can argue about anything, anything, if you haven't communicated it properly? You know, oh, I was going to mow the lawns before we leave. You can't mow the lawns. That's not my wife's voice. Don't worry. You can't mow the lawns because we're about to go. Oh, I was just trying to bless you. Da, da, da. So communicate, communicate, communicate. Um, when it comes to conflict, you need to understand this. Conflict almost, almost, always comes from uh, unmet expectations. And unmet expectations almost always come from uncommunicated expectations. And uncommunicated expectations almost always comes from a place of lack of communication in the first place. So you're not talking, you're not communicating. On a Saturday when Hannah and I have got the day together and the kids, we will literally go, Hannah, what are your expectations for the day? These are my expectations for the day, Trey. Cool. And then she'll go, I don't know, she doesn't talk like this. Um... But then she says, um, what are your expectations for the drink? Oh, sorry, I'm just going to move on. But we literally take the time to ask what our expectations are. Conflict almost always can be traced back to just not communicating. Okay. Uh, a happy marriage is often a long conversation. I like that quote. Um, I think it's a healthy one to continue talking. Uh, five marriage reminders. This is actually some tips. Okay. Are you ready? Write this down. Um, I hope that these things will be helpful. Uh, Again, I'm not a trained counselor. These are just things that we have found as we've been working through many people's relationships over the last few years. Number one, it does take work. Marriage uh, requires input. You can't expect to get this much back if you're only putting this much in. It requires time. It requires effort. It requires resources. Um. If we want a better marriage, we must be willing to change. You must be willing to grow. If you're not growing, you're dead. Your marriage is dead. You need it to grow. Now, obviously, there's an opportunity. You can continue. You can spark life back in it. But you must be willing to work on your marriage. If you're given it 10% and your spouse is given 50, uh, well, giving, yeah, giving 50%, that's not on. You're not going to have a healthy marriage. And how many people know that your tamariki, your kids, are watching marriage and watching how it works? Um, Hannah and I are not overly PDA, that's public displays of affection. But what we do, we make sure that when the kids are sitting down, every now and then, it's super awkward. I'm like, babe, boy, give me a hug. She's like, yep. And we come over and we just hug in the kitchen. And all the kids go, oh, gross. Oh. But at least they can say, hey, we always saw mum and dad hugging or holding hands or something like that. Okay? Uh, it takes work. Number two, uh, pray with, pray for. You, not, you need to pray with your uh, spouse. I remember talking to a guy who did pre-marriage counseling for years, like 30 years, and he once told me this. He said, in all of the pre-marriage and post-marriage counseling relationships that were breaking up, he used to ask this question. How often do you pray together? And he said in the 34 years or whatever it was, he said he'd never, ever, not once, at that point, you know, divorce, marriage falling over, he never once had them say, oh, we pray every day. What does that mean? I'm not saying it's, a, uh, it's rocket science. I'm not saying it's a formula. What I am saying, it seems to me that couples that pray together, pray for each other, seem to have that togetherness 
right? They're one flesh. So if you could do one tip, one thing, just start praying together and praying for your spouse. Uh, And when you pray for your spouse, it's not, Lord, help them, they're wrong, they're terrible, they don't know what they're doing. No, how about this in Psalms? It says, Psalm 51, Create in me a pure heart, O God, and renew a steadfast spirit within me. Lord, help me, renew me, help me to be a better spouse. Because you can only do so much, but how many people know that actually, and this is really hard for me to get my head around in my early marriage, if I want to see something in my spouse change, um, if I reflect that, if I do that, more often than not, that's better than a conversation. Because eventually, there's a, hey, I like that, I might do that back. Um, and we have a conversation about it. Right, pray with, pray for. Number three, learn to love. What do you mean, Dre? Well, I mean simply this. We've got to do the love, uh, the five love languages. Who's heard of the five love languages? I'm not going to assume that everybody has. So here's the five love languages. It's a book. It's a really good resource. It talks about how people uh, receive love and how people give love. Um, Here's the five love languages. Uh, Chocolate. I don't know how that got up there. We'll move that off. Okay. But... There's the, the five love languages. Now, here's a tricky thing. Hannah, can I just have you stand up the front, please, for a second? Let's go. Um, my, t- my, my number one is gifts. That's how I like to receive love. Gifts. Thank you. Hannah's would be quality time, your number one. Would that be fair? Yes. So hers is quality time. Now, how do you think I show love? Do you think... My man brain goes, well, she, receive, she likes to receive love with quality time. Um, this is the first year of our marriage. I was like, oh, I love you. Here's gifts. Here's gifts. Here's gifts. Here's all the pretty things. Gifts, gifts, gifts. And Hannah's like, he doesn't love me. He never shows me he loves me. Because I didn't understand that though I show love with gifts and I receive love with gifts, that's not how she does So I need to understand that she actually receives it a different way. And even to further complicate it, you might receive it in gifts, uh, but you might like to give it in acts of service, and that might be the other one that there. So there's a lot of conversation that needs to happen. Thank you. Let's give her a round of applause. So, (laughs) So sit down and have the conversation. Uh, Learn to love. Number four, uh, love conflict resolution. Here's a question for you. Who loves conflict resolution? Trick question. One person. I didn't say who loves conflict. I said who loves conflict resolution. We should learn to love conflict resolution. Majoring on the resolution, not the conflict part. But conflict will happen in your relationships. It will happen in your marriages. You've got to be able to love resolving that. You can't just leave it. Okay, so let's try this again. Who would like to love conflict resolution? Ah, good work. Conflict resolution is really important. A couple of tips. There's the big three. There's three things that, generally speaking, couples will mostly argue on. Um, Have we got anyone little? I think we're okay. You know where this is going. One of the three. Um, And so, but through those three, there's another word that we've already talked about, starts with C. What do you think the word is that can create issues in those three subjects? Communication. Very good. Okay. So communication is often the problem, uh, but it can be through money. 
and decision-making. That's often the three big things that we've found that people come to us with. It's always got communication at the start because you've not communicated the issue. So if you come to us with an issue around decision-making, very quickly I'm going to start talking to you about how have you communicated your unmet expectations around decision-making. All right, last one. Uh, There is hope. I just want to say, wherever you are right now, there is hope for your potential marriage. There is hope for that relationship. There is hope for that friendship. There is hope for your marriage. Listen to this beautiful verse, Romans. Romans 13. May the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace as you trust in him, so that you may have overflow with hope by the power of the Holy Spirit. You, there is a hope. If you're, your marriage, you'll, there'll be stories. Um, talk to Lyndon about his brother's uh, marriage story, if he, if he feels appropriate to share at some point. I think he has. Um, that just a spark, just a drop of water on that seed can ignite a marriage again. There is hope. Don't ever think that there isn't. There's amazing things that God can do in a marriage. Cool? Hey, what we're going to do really quickly for the next uh, seven or eight minutes is uh, you have given us some questions, some really curly ones. Thank you, Kelly. Uh, No, (laughs) Um, we've had over 35 questions uh, about marriage, and we're going to do our best to try and answer them, but we can't answer them all. Some of them require... Uh, will require like a, a whiteboard and someone a lot smarter than me to answer them. So we'll try and do our best, uh, but we've, we've, we've picked 10 and uh, we're just going to answer them as we go. Is that cool? Yeah. All right. We hope that this is helpful and a blessing to you. All right. Hi, Hannah. Hi. Team Bell. <laughs> All right. Okay. Hey, some marriage questions. So I'm going to ask a question and Hannah is uh, going to answer it and she's going to do a great job. Okay, Hannah. First, up. First question, um, what do you do, now these are genuine questions that people have asked us, what do you do if your partner slash spouse isn't at the same faith stage as you are? Biblically, they've called that um, unevenly yoked. Unequally yoked, yes. Um, now caveat, we, we have only been married 11 and a half years. Um, Oops, so I said 12. <laughs> almost 12. Um, so we don't know it all. Obviously, we haven't walked through it all. So a lot of our answers are just, um, I guess, our experience, the experience of people that we've talked to and helped along the years. So this question is a great one. Um, I think the first thing is if you are already married um, and you are at sort of different faith stages or perhaps one of you um, is a Christian and one of you is not or not interested, I think the first thing to do is prayer. Um, the most important thing is to pray for your spouse. So if you are in a stage where you're worried about they're not interested in growing in their faith or they're not um, wanting to take the steps that you would like them to take or that you yourself would like to take in God, um, start in prayer. Always start in prayer for each other. Um, I think the other thing is if you are not yet married and you're perhaps with um, a fiancé, partner, boyfriend, girlfriend, um, I think it's something that is really important to talk to your mentors, to your pastors, to someone that is um, that you really look up to in the faith. Um, if you're concerned about, hey, should I marry this person? I'm concerned about where their faith level is at. It's a really important one to get sorted before you get yeah. married and to talk about together before you get married. Um, 
God wants our marriages to be healthy and happy and strong. And I think if we're heading into a marriage or if we're in a marriage where we are having conflict in that area, um, God actually wants to restore that and God doesn't want it to be hard work um, for either party. Yeah, that's right. I think the other thing I would say is to communicate through it. So if you say you've got a spouse that doesn't want to come to church, I would just communicate really clearly. Just be like, hey, are you happy for me to come to church? Are you happy for me to have friends? Are you happy for me to go to another connect group? Are you happy for me to go away on a Sunday? Have that communication because if you don't, resentment can build, eh? Resentment can build and be like, wow, well, they've got their own friends. It can build from the person sitting at home and it can build from the person who's sitting in the pews as well. So even with your, say, unbelieving spouse, you can have the corridor, you can have the conversation, um, and most times they're pretty, they just want to talk about it, and they just want to be uh, heard. So, yeah. What can I do when my other half has pretty much given up on the relationship? Yeah, it's a tricky one, similar to that. Um, What I often say is that it takes two to tango. There's two in a relationship. And so in this whole relationship, there's 50% you and 50% your spouse. Any relationship you have, it's 50% you and it's 50% the other person. But in that 50%, you can do 30% of the work or 70% of the work or 100% of the work. I would encourage you to try and do 100%. Everything you can are your 50%. Everything that you possibly can. Love them. Learn about love languages. Lift them up. Encourage them. Um, but if they have given up, so what, I, what I'm going to say, and I'm not going to say this for everybody, this is just a general statement. In my experience, if you are one person doing 50% and their 50% doing 100% of the work, doing everything that they can, and the other person's doing nada, ning, nothing, zero, it's hard for that relationship to survive. It's not like a 50% pass kind of thing. I, I just don't, I've not seen them pass. But, if you got 50% and you got 30%, hey, how many people passed school C with 70%? I'll take it. Um, and you can work with that. So even just a smidge, you can work and you can develop that. But there's only so much that you can do. You can only do everything that you can do on your relationship. You know that old saying, you can lead a, a horse to water, but you can't make it drink? It's the same here. And that's where you just get trusted people to pray for you uh, and to love you through that. How best to prepare for the marriage and not just the wedding? Good, good question. I think to answer this quickly, pre-marriage counseling, got to do it. It's awesome. Who here has done pre-marriage counseling? Great. I really encourage you doing it. Um, in fact, if I marry you, I make you do it. You've got to do seven weeks with Hannah and I, and um, we, we, we walk through a whole bunch of stuff, stuff like what we've talked about today. Um, so pre-marriage counseling is really important. If you're not or you haven't, then I would say having some good conversation about your background is really important. I remember my background, Tahanda's background, is very different. And so when she was like, well, she was actually really good, but her family, understandably, were a little bit concerned about this hood rat from Hamilton with no, no family background, with no nothing, you know, uh, and... Um, they were like, well, hey, you know, do you believe in marriage? What, what about this? What about that? And I totally understand that. Have the conversation. Have the corridor. Hey, where, where's your background? Um, so, yeah, that's what I'd say. Go get pre-marriage counseling. Have the big and hard conversations. When Hannah and I were dating, we talked about 
infidelity, we talked about divorce, we talked about all the big and scary things before we were even dating, we were just messaging each other because we just wanted to get it out in the open. And then that way we knew, oh yeah, we're in agreement on this and that, we can, we can move forward. Hannah, uh, when's a good time to seek professional advice in your marriage or in your relationship? I would say any time. Honestly, I think um, getting counselling or getting some professional advice in whatever way that comes, whether it's pastors or people that you, you have in your life that are wise, um, any time in your marriage, um, I think it's important. It's like a warrant of fitness, right? It's like it's not a failure. You're at the you're broken and dead and dying. Um, it's important then as well, but it actually should be regular. It should be a bit of a, you know, you have professional development for your for your work, right? Um, and that actually just kind of grows you and it stretches you and um, kind of looks at where you are and how it can how you can get to the next step. Um, I think that's that's how it should be in our relationships as well. So that's pretty much cool. I'd also say, yeah, just to elaborate, going and getting like marriage counselling is not losing. That's loving. Okay, you're saying, hey, I'm, I'm in for this. We need to change our thinking. It's a good thing. Hannah, should a married person have a close friend of the opposite sex? This is a great one. Um, I think you can, but I think it can often be quite a dumb decision. Um, when you get married, your relationships have to change. I think it's natural that when you get married, your relationships that you had before, your friendships with someone of the opposite sex, they change naturally because when you get married... This is your person. This is your this is your main person that you go to for um, encouragement, go to for support, that sort of thing. So, I think you can have friendships that remain, um, but it's important to kind of you both have that friendship with that person. Um, we have, like we were talking about marriage culture earlier. Um, one of ours is that we don't hang out with the, someone of the opposite sex by ourselves for long periods of time. We're not going to go and go to a movie with with someone um, that is not our spouse so I think it's just a it's just a wise thing to kind of live by hey our relationships change a little you can still be friends um but you're not going to be going to that person for support um and encouragement and things that your spouse should be giving you yeah yeah I think that's right like if you're having to get something from another person especially the opposite sex that you're not getting from your spouse maybe we're not talking intimacy I I think there's an issue there as well right because you can you can build emotional uh, equity with the wrong people. And how many people know that you might start out going, no, 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 we're all good. We're not, I'm not attracted to that person. But if that's the person you go to for all your aroha, that's the person you go to for all of your self-esteem, how many people know that after a while, looks it ain't got nothing to do with it. There's this emotional connection. It's just better to stop that before you even go there, in our opinion. Andre, that's me. What does a successful marriage look like? Um, there's a lot of ways to answer this, but I would just say this real quick. Uh, a relationship that's growing in Christ. What, is a, what does a successful marriage look like? It's me and Hannah working together to encourage each other to take steps in faith, to take steps uh, in um, our walk with Jesus. Um, a successful marriage is creating space for um, the other person to do their thing, to do their ministry. Hannah does it for me all the time creates a space and she's serving the church by doing this or doing that or even just talking to Lucky Tkoha who's here today. Kia ora Lucky. Um, Hannah did some worship for them and I just was like oh cool this is an opportunity for me to serve uh, their ministry not directly but in creating a space for her to serve um, 
And so what does a successful marriage look like? It looks like uplifting and encouraging and creating a lane for that person to run after God. That's what I think is successful. All the other stuff will come. All the other stuff will come. 